0: This morning's going to be a little bit different than we're used to. Instead of a, um, a traditional uh, sermon that we're used to where I might uh, exegete a passage into three points in a poem, uh, this morning I, would, I just want to spend some time talking about who we are. Uh, what does it mean to be a part of FBC West? What does that look like? To help us with that, I want to remind you of our theme verse. The verse that kind of captures who we are as a church is John chapter 15 and verse 5. We call it our theme verse. It says, I am the vine. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This morning, I want to think about what does it mean to be a part of this church family? And we're going to kind of use the idea from the the popular TV show, This Is Us. Who who is us? Who is FBC West? Well, beginning with that theme verse, we we get a lot of our... um, Understanding of ourselves and our understanding of Christ from that verse he says I am the vine and you are the branches which which means three things at least one the the vine directs the branches. You know, when he says he's the vine, he's not talking about a, the, a little thin vine like you and I usually think of when we see you know, like, like an ivy or something growing. Uh, grape vines can become very big. They, they, can, they can really become, uh, you know, the size of a tree trunk. The actual vine is very large, or can be. And as that vine goes in a certain direction, the branches go with it because they're attached to it. And so as the head of the church, Jesus directs the church. But also the second thing that comes to mind as we think about the fact that he is the vine and we are the branches is that he unites us. It is the vine that holds all the branches together. A branch that comes off all, on its own over here by itself is not going to last long. It is the vine that holds the branches together that unites us, and so we say we are one family, we are united as one, because the vine brings us together. And the third thing that comes to mind as we think about the imagery of him being the vine and we are the branches, is that he is the source of our life. The vine brings life to the branches. If the branches are separated from the vine, they'll not survive long. And so the vine brings life to the branches. This is a good picture of who we are as a church. Christ is the vine. He he decides the direction. He brings life to the church and he unites us. It's all about him. We are the branches and it is our goal to bear fruit. The branch that doesn't bear fruit isn't any good to the vine. And so it is our goal to bear fruit. Therefore, we disciple and teach and train and talk and and, uh, hold one another accountable and encourage one another and love one, all those things in order that we might encourage one another toward the good works that bear fruit. That's who we are. That's that's our theme verse and a picture of our church. What I'd like to, to spend some time doing this morning is kind of fleshing that out just a little bit. And I want to remind you of, um, of 10 things. Now, the reason I wanted to do this this morning, a little bit different than a normal sermon, is because I never really have the opportunity to talk to the church body about those things that are most important to the church. It's very hard for us to find a way just to stop and have a conversation because worship is, is traditional worship time, traditional message, uh, business meeting is, is facts and figures and votes. We rarely have a chance just to sit and talk about important things. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to share with you the, the, the top 10 things that, that I, I want to say to our church family. Now, they're not in any order, so it won't be a countdown like Letterman used to do, you know, where you count down to the number one. This is just, they're not in any order, randomly ordered, but ten things that I want to share with you, remind you of, uh, bring you up to date on and talk about. And the first is, I want to remind you of what we call our core values, our core values and you can the easiest way to remember our core values, those things that are most important to us that define us the most, the easiest way to remember is just look at our name, FBC West, F-B-C. Those remind us of our three core values. First, we are family focused. And what we mean by that is not only that we want to provide opportunities for your whole family, and not only that we want to minister to you as a family to try to help strengthen and, and, and uh uh, encourage your family, but also, as we've said a couple of times already this morning, we want to see ourselves as a family. We are family focused in what we do and in how we see ourselves. And then B is Bible based. What we, what we do, what we teach, what, what we practice, everything we, we believe needs to have a basis in God's word. And there are some important reasons for that. Uh, One of those important reasons is that Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. In other words, when it's easy and when it's hard. Preach the word when it feels good and when it doesn't. Paul was saying to Timothy, if you're going to lead the church, the Bible has to be the basis of what you do. And in, another, in other areas of there in Scripture, Paul explains to Timothy that, the, that all of Scripture is inspired by God. And it is profitable. It helps us to know the path that He wants us to take. It tells us when we get off the path. It shows us how to get back on the path. And then it shows us how to stay on the path. The scripture is inspired by God and it helps us in all of those ways. And so we are not only family-focused, Bible-based, but Christ-centered as well. Our theme verse drives that for us, that Christ is the head of the church. Christ decides the direction. Christ provides the life. Christ brings us together and unites us. And so when we come together, we come together to serve him and worship Him. These are our core values. FBC, family-focused, Bible-based, Christ-centered. Similar to our three core values are our five plumb lines. Plumb lines, uh, as you remember, we talked about early this year, we started off uh, talking about the plumb lines and a a plumb line, is there's a weight at the end of the string and once it stops moving, you know that that is completely up and down straight and you can use that line to, uh, to, to start building from that corner. And as you build off that corner, you know that your building will be square as long as everything lines up to the plumb line. And so we have certain plumb lines that guide who we are, what we do, what we think, how we practice. And anything that doesn't line up to one of these plumb lines really should be reevaluated, perhaps deleted. These are those things that guide us. First is that worship is what we do for God, not what the church does for us. Worship is what we do for God. He is the audience, we are the participants. We don't show up in, in, in a big fancy room to be entertained. It's not about what happens for us. Worship is what we do for God, not what the church does for us. The second plumb line is, uh, is what we, we can shorten to one word, excellence. But the plumb line reads that God deserves our best. God deserves our best. He is worthy of of every effort that we have. Scripture says, whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do as if you're doing it for him and he deserves our best. Good enough isn't enough for our God. The third plumb line is that the church should have a positive impact on its community. The church should have a positive impact on its community. We don't want to be a church that kind of closes itself in and protects itself from the community out there. Instead, we want to be in the community, a part of the community, making a difference, having a positive impact on the community around us. And so you need to volunteer. You need to serve. You need to invite folks from the community to be a part of us. Soon we're, gonna, we're going to... Um, do something we haven't done in many, many years. long time ago our men's ministry took uh, one Saturday morning and we did a prayer walk at each of the churches in town. And uh, soon I'm going to organize a time for us as a church family to do that. Uh, instead of a men's ministry thing we're going to do it as a church family. And we're, we're going to walk throughout our community and pause at each church in the community and pray for that congregation. And that's gonna be an, a supportive and encouraging prayer. It's not, we know better and you're wrong and we're praying for, no. This is, we're all in this thing together and we're gonna pray for you and hope that you're praying for us. We're here to support each and every church in the community and so that, we're gonna be working on that. That's one of the ways that we wanna have a positive impact on our community. The fourth plumb line is that we do church best when we do it in small groups. We do church best when we do it in small groups. We're going to talk more about small groups in just a moment. But remember, the the, the way to to remember how important that is to us is that we've said we do church better in circles than we do in rows. On Sunday morning, we sit in rows, and everybody is focused on one ugly, fat, bald dude. You You can't connect to the person in front of you Because all you can see is the back of their head. Church is about family. It's about connection. It's about relationship. So this is not where the essence of church happens. This is where worship of God takes place. This is where we serve him. All of our focus is on him. Because all of our focus is on him, we can't connect with one another enough to really have the kind of relationships that we want to have. Therefore, we encourage everyone to be in some kind of small group because that's where we really begin to get to know one another and we begin to share life together. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. The fifth plumb line is we focus on church health instead of church growth. We focus on church health instead of church growth. Remember, growth by itself does not really mean health, tumors grow they're unhealthy. So we're not looking just for numbers, just for growth. What we want to look for instead is health. Now, healthy organisms also grow, but our emphasis is not on growth. It's on health. We want to be a healthy body of Christ. And we believe that as we are healthy, God is going to um, uh, help us to grow and to be the church that he wants us to be. All right? So remember our core values, there are three of them. Remember our plumb lines, there are five of them. The plumb lines guide everything we do. And then I want to back up just a little bit and let's spend a little bit of time talking about what small groups look like in our church. We use that term as an umbrella. And under that term, um, or under that umbrella term of, of small groups, we actually have three kinds of small groups the first one is just our sunday morning bible study what we traditionally called sunday school that is in essence a small group experience because you get together with other folks and you have the opportunity to connect with them to get to know them to love on them to minister to one another that is a small group experience then we also have what we call short-term bible studies this is what um, uh, you know, the ladies meet on Tuesdays in the morning and again in the evening, and quite often the men have a Bible study in the, after, in, in the evening. And short-term Bible studies, these are small group experiences as well. And then we have what we call life groups. Now, life groups are groups in which we share life. And this is, I believe, the strongest, most influential, most uh, uh, impactful, if that's a word, uh, uh, experience in a small group setting. The life group is a group of about 12 people who meet on a regular basis, who connect with one another and actually begin to share life so that they become friends and they care for each other. They, they minister to one another that, that now these friends are not just church buddies that they actually spend their lives together. And in that togetherness, they begin growing stronger and they, begin, they, they become more healthy as individuals and as a group, so the church becomes more healthy. Now when we say life groups, it needs to be a small group. Let me show you how I'd like for us to start thinking in terms of group size when we're talking about life groups. You can start a life group with two or four people. Four to six is a, is a real good start, but you can even start with two or four people. You're gonna start with a small group, and it's only gonna grow into a small group. When you have two, four, maybe six people, you can begin a group. As that group grows, you get six people, you get eight people, you're actively recruiting. Hey, we're starting a group. You need to come be a part of our group. Join us. We meet at such and such a place at such and such a time, and we'd love love to have you. When your group gets to be about 10 or 12, you're going to stop actively recruiting, but you you are going to welcome others who come. Maybe somebody hears about it. Maybe they're friends with someone in your group. They want to be a part of it. Sure, come on. 10 to 12, you're going to accept them, but you're not actively recruiting them. You see, this is different from traditional Sunday school. Sunday school was intended as an outreach opportunity. That's the point of Sunday school, really, is to provide an opportunity for folks to come and learn, and it's a way for us to reach the folks around us. Life group is not so much about learning the curriculum and it's not so much about outreach. It is about getting together, relating to one another, and connecting. And you can only do that if the numbers are right. So when you start reaching 10 to 12, folks are welcome, but you're not out there trying to get more in your group. And when you get to 14, I'm going to suggest you close the group. We, we can't take anymore because we're already beyond the optimum number. The optimum number is 12. How do we remember that? What size was Jesus' small group? All right? We want, we want to aim our life groups at 12. We get over 12, we're going to close the group. Now, you say, well, that seems harsh to close the group. Remember the goal. The goal is not outreach. When you close the group at 14, what that does is that says the next couple or the next person who is looking for a small group, they get to start the next small group. And soon, if we'll start working on, on these kinds of numbers, soon, instead of four big groups, we're going to have 20 small groups. And you're going to see that they're much more effective. So as new folks start looking for a spot, those new folks who are looking are are formed into our new small groups, particularly our life groups. If you're not a part of a life group, today is the perfect day for you to do that. It's really easy. All you need to do is see Todd or email Todd. That's Todd at FBCWest.com. Todd at FBCWest.com. All you have to say in that email is, my name is Joe, I wanna be in a group, all right? And he'll he'll take care of it from there and we'll find you a spot. We'll create some new groups on those responses. So we want everyone to be in some kind of small group. Then I want to remind you that 2019 is the year of the family in our church. And uh, as the uh, year of the family, this is not just just a slogan or a logo. We really want to focus on uh, encouraging healthy, strong families this year. And so here are some of the things that we're going to do in the near future. There was a small group of us who went to a conference uh, not that long ago called Reengage, and it's all about uh, using a, uh, a specified curriculum in small group settings to help married couples re-engage, strengthening marriage relationships. Those who went to that conference are going to start a pilot group. It's going to be a small group of a few people, and they're going to go through that that curriculum together as the pilot group. Then that pilot group will split up and start creating new, re-engage groups. So we'll get more people involved in the process of learning how to strengthen and encourage their own marriages. We want to begin making investments into marriage uh, throughout our church family. I'm also uh, hoping that by the, uh, sometime by the end of the year, most likely this summer, but sometime during this year, we're going to have a, uh, a short uh, study on what we're gonna call parenting in the pews. How do parents raise their children within the church? How do we do that in the church setting so they get the most out of it, they learn the most? How do we balance uh, letting them make their own choices with also the strength of telling them the truth, telling them about God in a meaningful way. We're going to look at all of that stuff, parenting within the church setting. We're going to do that sometime this year. I'm also hoping to start a a group called Dads with Daughters. Uh, Dads with Daughters, uh, have have, uh, this is a a special group of folks who have um, unique opportunities. And I want to be able to sit down with some of these guys and talk through that. We're going to have fun as well. Um, some of our, uh, some of our uh, deacons and uh, uh, some of the guys in the church are working together to formalize a family rally. And it's just going to be a fun day for families to get together, kind of a big scavenger hunt type deal. And we're looking at doing that in early June. So watch for just this fun day for families to get together. The men's conference is going to return this year. We're going to do that in the fall and uh, we'll be right here. We're we're gonna bring in some uh, pastor preachers from around the area and have them uh, lead us. We're looking forward to the men's conference. Most likely, we'll follow the same format we did last time, Friday night and Saturday, over a weekend. Our ladies are going to uh, have the uh, uh, Beth Moore simulcast in September. We're gonna host that here, so hopefully churches from all around this area can come here to participate in that simulcast, and uh, the ladies would be encouraged and strengthened by that. So the Year of the Family, we've got a lot happening on purpose to strengthen our families. And then I wanted to let you know as well that we are in the process of making some major changes in how we do administrative things. Um, we're changing our what they call a church management system, just think of it as a database. We're changing how the database works. We're we're moving from an old database that we started working on over 25 years ago. That's kind of how old this thing is. And we're we're gonna switch over to a new way of doing things. It's gonna be a lot easier for you and for us. One of the things that you can do to help us with that is there is a form that we need you to fill out for us. And what this form does, it automatically makes sure that your profile is up to date. So we make sure we have your name right, and your, your contact information right, and your birthday right, and all that stuff. And um, you got an email not too long ago that had a link to that form. And if you would click on that link, fill out that form, it would really help us. Even if you believe we have the correct information, If you go ahead and fill out that form anyway, it will update everything and make sure that we're all communicating. Uh, We also can have hard copies of that form. Todd is going to have a hard copy. If you'd rather just use pen and paper, you can get that from him and just update all your information for us so that we can stay in touch together. Once we get that going, then we're going to be able to um, uh, provide an app that you'll have on your phone. And on your phone there, you'll have everything you need to do in and through the church. You can sign up for stuff. You can give. You can uh, do everything you need to do right there on that app once we get it all set up and people placed into their various groups. So work with us on that. We're excited about moving forward on that. Then I wanted to tell you uh, as well, number, number six out of my list of 10 things that I've been wanting to talk to you about. Number six is we have been... Uh, designated as one of the top 500 churches in giving through the cooperative program. Well, what in the world is the cooperative program? Well, it's uh, to put it simply, two um, percent of every dollar you give to our church. We set aside 2% of every dollar, and it goes to the Waco Regional Baptist Association for the ministries and the work that's being done in basically McLennan County. And then we take about 8% of every dollar you give, and about 8% of that goes to the Baptist General Convention of Texas, And then they send a little bit of it on to the Southern Baptist Convention. What that means is that every time you put a dollar in the plate, you are not only helping us with our local expenses. You're not just paying the electric bill. Every time you put a dollar in the plate, you are helping to support missionaries throughout Texas and around the world. You're helping to plant new churches. You are uh, helping the Baptist student ministries in colleges on the campuses. You're helping to fund children's camps and youth camps, jail ministries, prison ministries, chaplains in the military and the hospitals. Uh, The Texas Baptist men, Bounce, which is the teenage uh, ministry that comes in to help uh, after disasters writing Bible study materials, support for ministerial students and bivocational ministers. You're supporting 11 colleges and universities. You're supporting children's homes, adoption agencies, family services, hospitals, medical clinics. You're providing scholarships, events and conferences, counseling services for ministers, and the list goes on. I wanted you to know that we're committed to that cooperative program because it does all of that good work beyond FBC West. I also wanted you to know that because the Bible says that God does not want us to give out of guilt or compulsion. He doesn't want us to give because somebody made us feel like we have to. He wants us to give cheerfully, joyfully. And you can do that when you give for two reasons. One, when you give because it's an act of worship. That's why I always try to say at the end of our time, let's continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Your tithes and your offerings are sacrifices, just like the folks in the Bible used to make sacrifices to God. This is the sacrifice that you're making for Him. It's an act of worship. But you can also give joyfully, not only when you realize that it's an act of worship, but also when you realize that it's not just paying salaries and electric bills. You're actually making an investment into the lives of people. And that investment goes way beyond West. But what happens here locally? I only told you about the 10% that goes through the cooperative program. What about the other 90% that stays right here? What does that do? Well let me just real quickly recapture for you our last few baptisms. If you go back a few baptisms, that person got baptized as a direct result of our children's ministry, specifically children's camp. The next baptisms, we baptized a family that came as a direct result of our student ministries. The next baptism was a direct result of our marriage retreat. The next baptism was a direct result of our ladies' Bible study. The next baptism was a direct result of our preaching and teaching ministries. So I want you to understand that you are not just paying the electric bill. You're not just paying salaries. You are investing into the lives of people. You're making an investment into God's kingdom. And I hope that you can begin to see that as we give generously and faithfully to continue the work that God has done here. Then I wanted to let you know as well, number seven in my list of 10 things that I want us to talk about is how very, very proud I am of our church for our international missions emphasis. The work that we do in Honduras is absolutely incredible. God is so amazing to allow us to do the work that we've been able to do in Honduras. We try to go every year because we've made connections there. We have relationships there. Those folks in those two villages in the western mountains of Honduras, they look forward to seeing when we get to come and visit with them. And we go and we share with them the love of Christ. We encourage them, have the opportunity to encourage those pastors who are always completely overwhelmed and exhausted. They don't have formal training. They don't have opportunities for continued education very much. And we're able to go and encourage them and strengthen them. It is amazing to see how God is using uh, the, the, those churches to minister to us, and how we get to minister to them. This year we're probably not going to be able to take a group because of the things that are happening in Honduras and, and because of uh, the missionary's uh, uh, schedule as he's, he's uh, uh, what, is, what is the word for, what is it? Sabbatical. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but even though we won't be able to take a group, we're hoping that two or three leaders can go and continue to, keep those relationships going, and um, uh, kind of get a vision for what we can do next time we take a group. Uh, so we're going to continue to keep those relationships building. And you know the the new development there is that now we have the opportunity to sell Honduran coffee that is grown by Pastor Trini, the pastor who has, who, who has kind of kept these two churches, one at the top of the mountain and one halfway down the mountain, he's kept these two churches going. And he, uh, he grows these, this coffee now. And we've worked out a deal where we can buy, we can sell his coffee, and that allows him the opportunity then to continue to do the work that he's doing over there. And we get good tasting coffee out of it. So it's a deal, man. I'm also very hopeful that we're going to, in the near future, we can begin to expand our vision for international missions, not only to work in Honduras, but perhaps to find uh, another place where we can serve and work as well and begin to expand the work that we're doing internationally. Number eight, I want to encourage you to always keep our guests in mind. I wanna encourage you to always keep our guests in mind. We use the word guests instead of visitors. A visitor comes by and he stays for a minute, then he's gone. A guest comes by and he sits in the, on the couch and you sit and visit and he's gonna drink coffee and he's gonna stay a little while. We wanna use the term guests, but we also want them to feel welcome. So I wanna encourage you as much as possible, leave the best parking places on Sunday morning available so the guests know that they can, come, they can find a spot and they can come in the door easily. And I also want to encourage you to speak to people that you may not even know on Sunday morning. What happens so often is we, we get used to the people we know, our friends, and we love to get caught up with our friends, and so we talk to our friends, and sometimes we overlook other folks. You say, well, I don't want to speak to somebody and say, hey, are you new here? And they say, no, I've been coming here 10 years. The solution to that, don't ask that question. Just say, hey, it's good to see you today. I'm glad you're here. How are things going for you? None of those questions put either of you on the spot as to whether or not you know them well or if they're new or old or what. And one of the reasons that I wanted to include this in my top 10 list is this section right here. Now everybody just got nervous. This section right here is where the guests are automatically going to want to sit. They come in the door and they want to look for the easiest, most available spot, and so they're going to sit in this section 90% of the time. And because of that, I want to ask us to kind of pay attention over here. About About four weeks ago, there was a guy who came in, and I met him before church, and he said he was a Mormon. But he wasn't—he wasn't participating in uh, the LDS anymore, and he was looking for a church. So I said, "Hey, I'm glad you're here." I whispered to a couple of deacons, "Go talk to that guy, you know." And we made—and and it all worked out. The very next Sunday, he sat—he sat right there where Ricky is, on the on the aisle. And it was one of those Sundays that I was overwhelmed with technology stuff and meetings, and I, I was running crazy, and I kept looking over at him, and he wasn't talking to anybody, and nobody was talking to him. And I, I was so busy, I said, okay, I've got to get over to him. And just before church started, before I could get over to him, he got up and walked out. The next day, we got a very negative review on Google. I know that doesn't mean anything to a lot of you, but I'm just telling you that's the way that happened and he's never come back. Now, that tells me that he probably had some issues on his own, that's, that's separate. But I also noticed that none of us spoke. So I wanna encourage you. You don't have to know each other. When you're in this place, it's a safe place. Just talk to folks. Just say good morning, I'm glad you're here, how are you? It's good to see you, all right? It's so important. And let's be especially sensitive to folks who sit over here. And by the way, if somebody comes in and they're sitting in your spot, <laughs> they're probably a guest. So be nice. We don't have reserved seating. Number nine, and I'm the, I, I'm gonna I know my time's up. We've got to go. Number nine. Uh, Let me very quickly share with you some events that are happening this month in May because I'm excited about all of them. Our children's ministry has an appreciation banquet on the 4th, just to say thank you to our workers. We have a men's breakfast on Sunday the 5th. Uh, Our friends at New Hope Baptist are coming as our guests Uh, Rev is going to speak that day and he's going to bring his guys with him and we're going to be able to connect with them. That same day on May 5th, I'm going to start a new series called At the Feet of Jesus. And we're going to look at how people's lives were changed when they found themselves at the feet of Jesus. We're going to look at six or seven different stories in the Gospels about how people are changed when they are at the feet of Jesus. That very same Sunday, May 5. We're going, to, uh, we're going to have a meeting right after church for those that we're calling SMART volunteers. SMART stands for Social Media Active Response Team, SMART. The reason we're going to have this meeting is because the, the, uh, the way social media works today is somewhat complicated, but you can help us have a more effective presence on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you like social media, then join us on the 5th after church, short meeting. I'm going to tell you some steps that you can take to do what you're already doing, but in a way that will help the church have a more effective ministry. All right? That's the 5th after worship. The 12th is Mother's Day, the 17th. there's a very good likelihood. It's not a done deal yet, but there's a very good likelihood on Saturday, the uh, the seventh, uh, maybe Friday the seventeenth, Friday the seventeenth, that we'll have a marriage night simulcast. This is something that's put on by Right Now Media that you're all familiar with by now. And uh, there's a very good chance that we'll be able to have a simulcast here that that will show live speakers as they encourage us in our marriages. Stay tuned to more information on that. The 19th is our senior recognition. We'll celebrate our graduates. The 26th, we're going to have what we call Pizza with the Pastor. Pizza with the Pastor. And, And here's what's behind that. It's almost impossible for me to get to know each person as they start coming to worship with us. I look out and I see a new face. Then a couple of weeks later, I see that same face. And then I come across a name on a card that's filled out. So I have a name and I see a face. But it's very hard to put a name and a face and get to know who are you as a person. And I want to know folks. I want to know you and I want you to know me. So if you have started coming to our church in the last two years, or if you're just now starting and you're not a member, but you're trying to figure out who we are, or you've been here 20 years and still feel like that you don't, you don't know enough about the church or the pastor. I want to invite you on the last Sunday of May. We're going to feed you pizza. And we're going to take about an hour and a half. We're going to get to know each other. I'm going to introduce the details of the church, how you can be involved. I want to tell you part of my story. Hopefully I hear a little bit of your story. And we're just going to get to know each other. So the pastor's not somebody way up there that I don't know, and I'm sitting back here in the pew looking at the same funny head every Sunday. Right. I want you to get to know me, and I want to get to know you. So that's going to be May 26th. And then number 10, uh, stay tuned for our long-term goals and plans. And uh, because of time, I won't go into all of that. But um, v- you know, very quickly, long-term goals and plans include more international missions, I'd like for us to get directly involved in disaster relief work and we need to get serious about fundraising, planning, and talking about the the possibility of a family life center. All right? Father, we want to thank you for our time together today. We thank you for a chance just to talk about some important things. We pray that you'd bless this time uh, that that, that we've invested. Help us to um, get a sense of your vision and your purpose for us as a church. Strengthen us. Unite us. Guide us that we may be the church that you've called us to be. For we pray it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.